they get better and better. <laughs> that was funny, we've never gotten that reaction before. Well, welcome. How are you guys doing? This is kind of hot. You guys hearing it? Done? You can bring it down a little bit. Um, hey, uh, it is good to be here. It's good to see faces. I love being out in the, in the lobby now and actually seeing people kind of making their way back. And uh, on this day, we have, um, we have two services going on again. We haven't done that in a year and a half. It's been a while. So, huh? Yeah. I, I want to tell you guys, too, uh, that has taken a lot of effort by a lot of people, uh, both those who are on our teams that help run these services. We have people kind of doing double time, uh, you know, overtime uh, this week because we do two services now, but also just some of the prep and some of the, the children's ministry, getting that going every week now at nine o'clock. And so uh, be thinking about the people that are involved. Be also thinking about how you might uh, plug in as well. Um, you know, one of the things uh, this last week, I saw a, a person that I hadn't seen probably in a year and a half, two years. And uh, as they came up, I recognized the face, right? But you notice over about a year and a half, you start losing some of the names. Anybody that happened to, or is that just me? Okay, good. Well, I'm glad I'm not alone. Okay, here's another one. Have you ever had that thing happen, though, too, where you, uh, you think you recognize someone, you go up to them, they turn around, you recognize, you realize that's not the person you were thinking of at all? Yeah? Okay, then let me ask you this one. Has this ever happened to you? Probably not. Good friend, some of you know well, family member, someone that you've grown up with literally your whole life, when they walk up, does it ever happen that you don't recognize them? No, never. Why would that ever happen? If that happens, something's probably really going wrong. You have to be concerned, right? That's what our passage is about today, though. Our passage is about learning how to recognize friends from foe, learning how to welcome friends and not run from them like they're enemies. But it's not talking about people necessarily. It's talking about our circumstances, it's talking about the events that show up in our lives and learning how to recognize the value and the benefit that they bring into our lives. We're gonna be reading from James chapter one, verse two through four. If you wanna turn there, if you have your Bible with you, if not, it will be up here on the screen. Uh, James one, two through four, talking about how do we recognize, how do we recognize friends for who they are and for what they bring. We're gonna be going through the book of James the next several weeks and so this is like the opening line of James's book, uh, his letter that he wrote to the church. Let's stand as we hear what God might have to say to us this morning. James 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials. I already don't like that one. How about you guys? Anybody? There's some people that avoid this book because that's how it starts. Knowing that the proving of your faith produces a single-mindedness and that single-mindedness let it attain its final result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Amen? At first glance, we don't often look at troubles and trials and hard times, challenges. We don't look at them as friends. We don't look at them as friends to be greeted. We typically look at them as enemies to be avoided at all costs, right? But here's James, the brother of Jesus. 
has watched Jesus go through his whole life, especially the end of that, saw what happened as a result, saw the result of what God brought about. And he says, listen, he's writing to the church. He was the head of the church of Jerusalem during some of their toughest times. And he says, listen, we need to learn how to rethink our reactions to hard times. We need to think about how to recalibrate our responses, that first response we would have to challenging things that come up in our lives. Message this morning is called A Second Look. Father, we want to hear from you today. It doesn't matter what I might say, what I might think. God, don't use my greatest thoughts. I pray that your word, your thoughts, your spirit would be speaking today. We come this morning humbly listening and waiting, waiting to hear from you, from your word. So challenge, challenge our hearts. Teach us how to reconsider what we see and to see with your eyes instead. Father, we pray that you will do that change in us so that we would truly become and live and show this world more of Jesus instead of just more of us. So Father, we give you the space and this time. We give you our attention. We give you our hearts for your glory in the name of your son, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. People who have studied survival would tell you that the hardest thing to do in stressful situations is to keep your head. To just keep your mind focused, keep your head. The reason is, is that we have these instincts, we have these deeply wired kind of habits and, and responses that are in us that sometimes they just kind of kick in. They don't ask us if we want to go a direction, they just take us there. And, and it's, it's a survival instinct. It doesn't, even, it doesn't even take, though, a life or death situation. It can be just a stress that arises in our life. It can be a confrontation. It can be a, a shock that comes into our lives. And suddenly this whole system kicks in and moves us. Sometimes we're places where we're not even thinking about where we're going. You know, one summer, uh, I've told some of you guys this story before, but one summer, uh, Carrie and I took the kids and we went to this, this favorite kind of um, swimming hole that's in uh, North Carolina. It's up in the mountains. It's called Sliding Rock. And the reason it's called that is it, it starts out as a creek that doesn't look like much, but then it goes pouring down over this smooth, gently sloping rock face that serves like a 60-foot-long water slide and ends up into this pool that's about seven, eight feet deep. And it is, it is fantastic. It is so fun to go down. You're sitting there, half the time you're, you're just kind of thinking, this is, it's almost surreal because you're in the middle of this woods, of this complete forest, and you're going down just a rock face, and you're thinking, who gets to do this, right? And you're smiling, and you're laughing, and everybody's laughing, and you know, smiling at you, and then you hit the pool. And when you hit that pool, the only way I can describe it is it's, it's liquid ice. It's coming straight out of the mountain. You don't feel it so much when you're just sitting in it and it's just maybe up a little bit pushing you along. But when you hit that pool, you are immersed in it. Body, I mean, head to toe immersed in this. And the shock, I can't tell you. Carrie said, when I hit that pool, she was watching me. She would have none of this. You know, she, she, was, she was not gonna go there. She, she's watching me. She said, it looked like I had been shot. 
just immediately. What was funny was as I kind of came out of the initial shock, I was surprised to find that my arms and legs had already started swimming for the shore. <laughs> and, and what was, you know, that, that thing that we do, that we, we kind of step out of ourselves in those times and we kind of look at ourselves and say, that's interesting what's going on in myself, right? Well, at that time, I was amazed. I was just thinking, I don't remember ever telling my arms and legs to start swimming. They just started. That's survival mode that kicks in. My mind had honed down to one thought. One thought was the only thought in my head in that moment. You know what it was? You got to get out of this water. That's all I was thinking. I hadn't told my arms and legs. I didn't say to my body, you know, I need to start. It had sensed a shock. It perceived it as a threat. And it just started swimming on its own. That's survival mode. That is when we get into a place where we're faced with what we see to be a threat or a stress or a shock, our body goes into what we would call that fight or flight mode. All the the blood, literally, it drains out of our heads. It moves to our arms and our legs so that we can start fighting, so that we can start running or swimming if you're in a mountain pool. Whatever it takes that we can get out of that place that we perceive as that threat. So... When that happens, this whole other system takes over. I don't know if you guys, many of you guys know this, but this whole other system takes over in our body. It's called the limbic system. It is not, my conscious mind is not in control anymore. Instead, it's this pre-conscious survival mind that takes over and it just starts moving and doing. It's what makes us all, if a loud boom sounds, we all duck. That's what makes us do that. If someone rushes at you, you cover up your face. You don't even have to think about it. Because this system takes over and it's what floods our, our feet and our, hand, our arms and our legs with blood and, and with nourishment so that they can do the fighting, they can do the running when we perceive a threat. Now, the problem with this whole, this whole process is the part that I said about all the blood goes out of your head, right? And it goes to these other places because what that means is that at that moment, you're not really thinking you're the best, right? You're not processing as well as you might need to in that moment. What your body is essentially saying is, you know what? You can process later. I'm going to get us out of here now, right? And when that kicks in at the wrong moment, that can, be, that can be very harmful. That can be very unhelpful in that situation. When does this kind of thing happen? Well, it happens when you're in an argument, <laughs> like with your neighbor or with a coworker, maybe with your spouse, all the blood drains out of your head and you're not thinking. Well, you're thinking you're brilliant in the moment. Probably some of the worst thinking you'll ever do. When else does it happen? It happens when you lose a job. It happens when you're diagnosed with an illness that you didn't see coming. It happens when you're going to, you learn that you're going to have to move far away from friends and family. Or for some of you, it might happen when you find you have to move a little too close to friends and family, Right? <laughs> It happens when the car breaks down. It happens when the scale shows a weight that you didn't expect. It happens when a relationship disintegrates. It happens sometimes when something is wrong and you just can't even put your finger on it. And this, this fight or flight mode, it just starts taking over and our thinking just goes out the window. James calls this time whenever you encounter various trials, tests, challenges. 
Now, for many of the people that James was writing to, I just want you guys to know, they, they were not, you know, they were just facing little things, not like us. We have these big things we're facing. They were just facing little things like getting thrown in jail, um, losing your life for what you believe, uh, the possibility that the Roman army might come in and wipe out your whole village and you might have to live your life as a refugee. Just little things like that. Not the big things that I know that we all face on a daily basis, right? But I think that what that means is we can kind of relate. Man, if they, can, if they can read this, can you imagine the shock that they got when they read these words of James and he starts out his whole letter He doesn't even ease into it. He just starts out his letter. And this is literally what those first words would mean, what they they sounded like in their ears. When you stumble upon, when you fall into various trials, I want you to remember that. He says, when you stumble upon these various trials, welcome them with joy as you would an unexpected friend. That's even worse than the first time I read it. But that's what he was saying. Welcome them with joy. Notice he doesn't say that you have to go out and look for trouble, right? He doesn't say go try and make trouble for yourself. He says when you stumble into it, if you're in this world, you're going to find it. It will find you. Jesus said one time, he said, in this world, you will have tribulation, right? It's just a part of being in this broken world, this world that is off off kilter from what it's supposed to be, that's off the rails from what God intended it to be. So trouble will be there. But James says, listen, you may not get to decide whether you, get, you encounter these various trials, but you do get to decide how you will respond to them, how you will view them, how you will see them and perceive them. Because it's in that perception, it's in that understanding of what you're looking at that will decide, help you it will determine, really, whether you go into this with your mind engaged still or whether the blood's going to all empty out and you're going to go into it just flailing and, and fleeing and in your fight-flight mode. It says, so learn how to, how to greet these trials as friends. So how do we do that? How do we, what does it take to respond to challenges in tough times differently? I mean, some of you guys right now, you're saying, well, I need to learn this because I'm going through something right now and I'm obviously in fight flight mode because I'm not, my thinking's not clear. I just want to run. I just want to fight. I just want to hit somebody. I just want to hit something. I just want to, right? James says, first, it requires for us to take a second look. And the second look is so that we would understand what is the value that these things bring to our lives? What is the outcome that is worth going through this so that we might gain this this valuable outcome? And we say, you know, in saying that, you know, sometimes we say, and James understood this. We usually look at at trials, we look at challenges, and we say, no, these things are terrible. These are terrible. I want to run because it's out to destroy my life and to disrupt everything in it. But Jim says, no, take a, take a second look. Even when we say that, we're not taking into account some of the things we know about our own life right now, right? How many of you guys work out or run? Anybody? Ever have in the past? <laughs> Real sparse. <laughs> if you do that, if you do that, how many of you know? Are you in it because it's fun? No. 
No, you're in it because of what it gains at the end. Going through that hard process, you put up with the pain. You're not afraid of the pain because you know what the gain is going to be, right? Well, that takes a second look. How many of you guys have decided at some point, or you're right in it now, that you're, you're preparing, you're taking the time and the, making the effort to eat healthy and to prepare healthy food for yourselves, right? A healthy diet. Now, even though you know since you were a kid, it doesn't taste as good as all that sugar stuff, right? It doesn't taste as good as all that deep, fat, fried, comfort food. And you go, why do you put up with that? Because you know what? It gains you in the end, but it takes a second look. You know that it brings better health. It brings a clearer mind. But just that initial look, you'd be like, no, I'm all over the fast food. I'm all over dessert. That's me. That's my heart. (laughs) Right? But we change our habits because we take a second look. Learning how to look at challenges and stresses and and tough times in our lives differently is going to take the same kind of recalibrating of our mind. It's going to take the same kind of reorienting. It's going to take that second look to really look at and say, what are the benefits that come out of this challenge, this tough thing that God, this, this trial that God has allowed to show up that I've stumbled into? So what does James say? He says, um, this is how we, there are three steps basically that he gives us to how do we train ourselves to do this. The first is, he says, we learn to look at this and we learn to see that um, these trials are where our faith is actually proven. And I want to use that word proven because that's an important word for us to understand. By proven, he means that our faith as it goes into these trials, it's kind of like gold that's still locked into the ore, right? And as, as it's put into this fire, as it's heated up, and everything starts to melt, everything starts to melt and separate, and you start getting the gold and the impurities start coming up, and you look at it, and initially you'd say, well, this isn't working, because all the impurities actually start kind of floating to the top, and it looks like there's no gold left here at all until you're able to just kind of separate those out and you scoop them off and you throw them to the side and the pure gold is left. He says that's what happens to our faith in these trials. Sometimes, sometimes we think that we have this, this solid faith, but it's a faith that's, that's built really for the easy times, for the good times, Right? So we have this faith and we think, you know, we're, we're, we're going through our lives and, you know, our, we have a good job and we have a good house and we have good friendships and a network of friends. We have a good spouse. Our family's doing well. And we think, yeah, I'm, I'm believing God. I'm trusting in God in, these, in these, these times. But then often in those easy times, what we're really doing is we're just kind of, we're walking through life and we're almost tiptoeing at times, hoping that nothing is going to crash into this and mess it up for us. But then when the, the trials, the challenges do come, because they will, and they do, they come into our personal life, or they come into our family life, they come into our, our, our job life, they come into our friendship life, they just come into life, and they just, all that evaporates, all that fake thinking. And then, do you, do you notice what happens when all of that thinking, it kind of goes away, everything starts separating out, and what starts coming to the surface? Is it our faith? 
No, it's all the impurities that were mixed in with this, right? All of a sudden, we start to fear like we've never feared before. We start fearing, oh, man, I don't even know if God loves me anymore. I thought he loved me because of all that was going on, but I'm not sure I can even trust that he loves me anymore. And then we start getting angry at God, and we start shaking our fist at heaven, and that starts coming out. We wrestle through that. And then we go into this mode where we hope, you know, well, maybe I can just figure this out on my own. If God's abandoned me, maybe I can figure it out on my own. And we have to wrestle through that because it ends up we usually can't figure it out on our own. And so we wrestle with that, and it flows to the top, and we scoop it out. Well, that didn't work. And then finally, we get to that point where we say, well, maybe I, I'm just taking too much time. This following God stuff takes too much effort. It's not worth it. We wrestle with that one. All these impurities start floating up to the surface. And as we wrestle through them and we throw them off to the side, what we find is left. We come out the other side, and James says, we come out the other side with just this pure faith. After all this left after all that that testing what we find is that we're what we're left with is real faith not the faith that makes it through easy times but actually the faith that can even take us through the middle of tough times a faith that believes you know what i found i found that god is always there that god never stops losing me or loving me he doesn't stop loving me no matter what i feel i found that god never stops loving me I found that God, he is helping me get to where I need to go even when I think I'm completely lost. We come out of these trials, we can come out of these trials with a faith that's actually built for the real world rather than just this fantasy world that we try and keep everything solid as if nothing's ever gonna happen. But trials are gonna come. We're gonna stumble into them. Even when we try our best to avoid them. James says, welcome them because trials prove, they test, they refine our faith. Second thing he says is, as a result of that proving of our faith, they produce this focus, this single-mindedness. He says, if you let this endurance, this this single-mindedness comes in as a result of this proving of our faith. One of our biggest problems, I think, in life is that we are double-minded about all kinds of stuff, right? We, we have about three or four options. We can't decide which one we want. And so we go kind of bouncing all over the place or wandering all over the place because I'm going to choose this. Oh, I really want it. That would, no, I better, right? And we never land anywhere. And he says that when we find out what's real, when we find out that God can be depended on, when we find out that his word can be depended on, he develops this, this single-mindedness in our lives and in our perceptions and in our choices. Because up until that point, we have all this, that clutter that's mixed in with the faith, right? So we, we want God, but on the other hand, we're not, we're not solid that we believe in him yet, Right? I'm not sure he's even there, but I'm going to pretend he's there, so maybe if he is there, it'll, it'll work. We, we want God to be on our side, but we're not sure that he's the one giving us the good stuff, or maybe he's bringing the bad stuff too. So it's like, I want to get close, but boy, I don't want to get close to him, right? It's a double-mindedness. We want his will for our life, but we're not sure we want his total will for our life, because there are some things that we've come up with that we like a little bit better than what he said about what he wants. You guys are looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. But I know that you do. We all do this. God has instructed us on some things and we read it and we go, ugh, don't know that I want that. And so we have all this clutter. 
But when we find that God is the one, when we find that, that the trials, when, it, when it, it strips all that away, and it refines all that down to where we just have this faith, we have this awareness that yes, God is there and God loves me and he does not let me go. And I found that when I follow him, it's always the best direction to go. Then our, our choices kind of start narrowing down and more and more we find that he, he proves our faith and then the single-mindedness starts to develop in us proves our faith, develops this, this focus. And then the third one, he says, when this focused faith, if you let it have its, its final result, you end up with this final kind of, the final version of yourself that is perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. You find this, it brings you to this, this version of yourself that God always intended, to that life that you said you always wanted to that connection with God and of others and your relationship to this world that you know is the thing that you've always sought after. It brings this final, this final end, this final result in you. Perfect meaning that you are mature and you are this, this, this developed version of the child of God who is created in his image and who has his heart. Perfect and complete, complete meaning that everything is in place and everything is working harmoniously within your life so that you don't have these split minds. You don't have these conflicting affections that are working against each other. Lacking in nothing, meaning that you have everything that you need in order to live out the fullness of the life that God intended for you. He says, if we can let these trials bring about this 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 refining of our faith to bring about that single-minded focus so that we can reach finally, we can start attaining to that, that final version of ourselves that God always intended. Trials do that. Trials do that. And James would say, maybe trials are the only thing that can do that. As long as we are welcoming them as unexpected friends rather than running from them, it's the most destructive thing that we can think of in our lives is a, a foe beyond all others. We start fighting them. We start fleeing from them. But James says, welcome them. Trials, trials not because we're looking for them, right? But because they're gonna be there. You can count on it. Trials, not because we're looking at them and saying, this is gonna be fun. No, it's not. We know trials aren't fun. But we deal with the pain because we are aware of what they're going to gain in our lives. Trials in the sense because we know that God has not abandoned us in them. You know, in trials, there is no fear in anything if you know that God's with you in it. There's no reason to kick into stress, fight, flight. There's no reason. We can face anything and say, yeah, this is a welcome, welcome to my life. So what does that mean? What does that mean for us? What does it practically take? I wanna encourage you guys to do, there are two things I wanna lay out for you guys to think about. One is this. How do we start changing our attitude towards our, our trials? The first is, I believe, this is a foundation for all of our lives, transforming, being transformed to be more like Jesus. 
Start filling your mind, start shaping your mind, start just immersing your mind in God's word. In God's word. What is that? The Bible. In God's word. Immerse yourself in it. There's a lot of things we can read. There's nothing that will transform you like this book. Nothing. Romans 12, 2, it says, don't become uh, conformed to to this world, to the habits, to the the ways of this world. Don't become conformed to it, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? Through God's word. Renewing of your mind so that you may prove. Again, there's that word. That you may be, see this refined, what is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect, fully formed. I want to challenge you. Here's the challenge for you guys, a practical way to do this. As we go through this book of James, I want you guys to go out. You could do this today. I'd encourage it because if you get a week behind, you're going to give up on the homework. Go out today, get some three by five cards and start writing out these little bite-sized pieces of James. Start out with James 1, 1 through 4. That's what we've talked about today. Just write it out. As you write it out, and then you start carrying it with you. And you start pulling it out at lunchtime. You start pulling it out on your walks. You start pulling it out uh, when you go fishing. You start pulling out when you're just, you're taking a drive and somebody else is driving. Not while you're driving. Right? But start pulling it out and start just, just letting it soak in. Let it just go over and over and just kind of roll around in your mind. Let it start shaping your mind. Start throwing out the questions that come up because of it. Start just, just wrestling with the changes that it's asking you to make or that you're seeing in there. But start just rolling around. And then take the next little bite-sized piece, James 1, 5 through 8. James 1, 9 through 12. Start taking these chunks and start assembling the book of James on 3 by 5 cards and start carrying it around with you. And wherever you are, just start taking it out. And wherever God would lead you to start immersing yourself in it, just take a bath. Just immerse yourself in it and let your mind be renewed. It will transform you. It will change how you think, how you look, how you see it, the world. It will change, not how you look, maybe. I meant how you look at the world. You guys are going, oh, great. (laughs) The word of God is what builds us and shapes us and transforms us to look more like Jesus. Amen? I also want to throw out in this point too, I'm going to throw it and just reiterate what Cheryl said. This afternoon, I'm going to be starting a Bible study, James. And from two to four, we're going to dig deeper into this than we can ever get into it on Sunday mornings. And I have done this a couple of other times and anybody that's been a part of this study, they have been fantastic times of digging into God's word together and just immersing ourselves in God's word. I'm gonna be starting that this afternoon. Come be a part of it. Or join join the Rooted group. That group, if you're looking for a first step, join that. Or join Cheryl in her Old Testament boot camp. If you wanna get into the word of God and you wanna see how things are kind of laid out, join that. Join some other study that's going on. We have plenty of studies. We have plenty of opportunities, but get involved in something. And start filling and immersing your mind in God's word. Second is this. Start training yourself. Start, this is the hard part. This is rubber meets the road, right? Start training yourself to welcome trials instead of just reacting to them, right? 
Most of the time, we just, we greet trials with what? We greet them with a groan, don't we? Oh, here it goes again. Start changing that reaction. Start changing and welcoming them and start, start responding to them like, oh, welcome, friend, right? Try that. See how that changes your attitude. Welcome, I can't wait to see how you refine my faith. And you can shout it out loud if you're in the car and nobody's around, right? But start welcoming these trials. Now, we need to, we need to understand, we need to admit that for a lot of us, there aren't a lot of big trials going on right now. Now, we have a pandemic going on in the background. That's huge. That's a big deal, right? And for some of you, it's a bigger deal than for others, Some of you right now are going through a time in your life, a season in your life, where you have some major trials. So I'm not minimizing those at all. Yes, there are some. But many of us, for a lot of the time, are not really going through too tough a stuff. Not like the people in James' day, right? We're not facing a threat to our life. We're just facing sometimes the worst thing that we're hitting in this pandemic for some of us is that we have to wear a mask somewhere that we don't want to. And we go, oh, my life is, and we start fighting, right? And it's like, that may not be the best way to approach that. That's what James would say. Some of us, the, the worst thing we might hit is we're on our way to work or something, and we spill our coffee all over ourselves. Like, ah, oh, I hate my life. God, why have you failed me, right? We spill our coffee. In those times, even though we look from the outside, we say, oh, okay, that's not that big of a deal. Use them. Use them to start training yourself to get in a different habit so then the really big stuff does hit. You have this habit developed where you say, all right, let's see where this gets us, right? Let's see how God can use this. Let's see what God will do if our minds stay engaged where we don't just go running off into the hills. The third thing is just kind of a, a second part of that, but it's really then learn how to lean into the fire, right? Lean into the fire. Don't just start it with a big bang and say, welcome. Lean into it. Lean into it and say, God, show me the next step. Wrestle with the questions that come up. Wrestle with those deep those, those, those impurities that start coming up that were mixed in. Wrestle with the fear that comes up. Wrestle with, the, with the, the, the desire to just abandon things. Wrestle your way through so that this faith, can, this, this trial can have its work, can do its work in you. That you can develop this faith-filled, single-minded focus that will then lead you to that life and that, that purpose, that being that God always intended. Learn how to see God in everything, working in every way, in every moment in your life, so that you, as you learn how to kind of take that second look. Amen?